Irish NFL show. Firstly, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate all our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we would massively appreciate it. Also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, on with today's episode. Welcome into the Irish NFL show, recapping on the latest news across the NFL and across the league. And to do that, I'm delighted to be rejoined by Andrew Morgan, our Bucks fan. Andrew's been on a couple of times with us now discussing all things NFL. Andrew, it's great to have you back on the show, which is a, an interesting week in the league. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It's uh, it's really good to be back on. And yeah, there's, um, it's it's the quiet season now. So teams are in or just wrapping up their mandatory mini camps. Um, they're going to now take, a, obviously, a, a quite a bit of a holiday before the, the proper training camps start. But there's still a few things that we can unpick uh, that are going on in the league at the moment. Yeah, in particular, I think we'll start off with the, the, this running back. Uh, what's, what's the right the, the running back cycle, the the lack of kind of contracts being divvied out to the to the running backs across the league. I mean, we saw in terms of the franchise tag last uh, February on the deadline, there was three particular running backs who had good seasons: Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. Obviously, Pollard had a, a serious injury in the in the uh, divisional round, but in the playoffs, but still did enough body of work for over the course of the season for the Cowboys to justify being tagged and uh, at the moment we've kind of got into a stage and in particular over the last few days because you know we saw last weekend and it was pretty much a given leading up to last weekend that Dalvin Cook wasn't going to be staying in Minnesota for much longer and it was kind of inevitable unless they found a trade partner they were going to release him before they had to pay him a sizable amount of money within the contract terms that he had and then on the back of that on Sunday at a, at a function in, in New York, Saquon Barkley is quite open for the first time in, in, in this offseason, I'd imagine, in terms of putting his piece across to where he is. And there's been so many different storylines around where that particular contract negotiation yeah. is. And it kind of dates back to November. So in November, we had the, the contract was in, on offer during the bye week in the region of 38 million. He didn't accept it for one reason or another. And then there was an expectation he was going to get 40 and 50, and that was the value that they put on the running back market. And now the Giants had a reason he came back in at 10. Now it looks like they are back renegotiating. But he was very vocal on Sunday around not necessarily looking for a really substantial contract, but more just kind of to represent the work and the body of work in which he's done for the Giants. But you touched on just as we start recording around where the running back cycle is. It's not a position there that just seems to be getting highly rewarded. And what's your general thoughts on that situation? Yeah, so there's there's definitely a few things to unpick here. I think with the Giants, it's really interesting to look at where they are in terms of the salary cap this year and next year. So their the the salary cap for um a franchise running back is ten point oh nine one million, right? So the Giants have already got that committed to Saquon for the year. That gives them about three million left to sign their their um, any veterans if they want when they're signing their rookies and all that kind of stuff. But next year because they've done such a good job of cleaning their cap, they have 54 million in cap space. So it doesn't seem like there should be much friction in terms of getting Saquon signed and then being able to restructure off of the 10 million this year so it becomes a little bit more manageable and then being able to 
put more money into it so that they can lock both of their their guys up because earlier in the offseason it was Daniel Jones needed to get signed, Saquon needs to get signed, one's going to get franchised, one's going to get the money. But it just feels like I wonder if they're a little, little bit of an impasse now. Saquon has obviously got this clear idea of what he wants and the Giants are going to be looking at it and saying, we want to pay you. They're, these, they're, a, they're a team that likes to pay their draft picks. They want to pay their players and keep them, um, keep them going. But there's going to be a value. There's going to be a value that they feel is appropriate. And I think that it speaks to the whole uh, running back value market as a whole because there's if you take the three um, players, so Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, all three players have got the franchise tag right now. There are only three running backs in the league who make more money per year than they do. And that's Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, and Derek Henry. All three of those running backs were signed when the team didn't have franchise quarterback money to be um, throwing around. So Joe Mixon was signed obviously before the um, and was re-signed, sorry, before the um, Joe um, Joe Burrow extension is going to come along. Nick Chubb before um, the um, Deshaun Watson was coming. Then obviously Derek Henry has been there with Joe, with uh, Ryan Tannehill, but he hasn't. Um, he doesn't make the big money as a, as a quarterback. So what teams are doing is they're looking at their running backs and thinking, well, we can get the the value and we can get the production from someone who's potentially um, a lower draft pick, a veteran free agent, and we can still get what we want in terms of yards, carries, pass protection, and catches, but without having to pay the big money and then being able to prioritize it around the team in, in different parts of the salary cap. So it's a real struggle now for, for, uh, for running backs to come out of that first contract off of being a rookie and then actually getting paid. And we're seeing this now with Saquon having that friction with the Giants. Um, Josh Jacobs is looking like he wants to um, get a contract before he goes to training camp. The one who's been really quiet about it has been Tony Pollard. We haven't heard too much from him um, in the Dallas media. I wonder is the Pollard one a little bit precarious because he has the injury and I suppose his focus right now is probably primarily on getting fit and being ready for next season. Probably look at it from a perspective I'll accept a scenario in which I've been put in, which is an injury has caused me not to be in a powerful position contract-wise. I'll take the I'll I'll take it on the tag for a year, still, and then prove myself again next year. Dalvin Cook situation for me is interesting because like Giants in, in theory, you could argue Saquon is a free agent in the sense that if someone was to step up today and hand the Giants two number one, two first round picks, they 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 could they could have him if the Giants didn't match it because it's a it's a um, it's a non-exclusive tag that they put him on here, as opposed to, yeah, so, sorry, it's the exclusive tag, which means if anybody wants to put an offer in his hand with Saquon and the joints don't match it, they have to offer up two fourth round picks. So, essentially, there is an opportunity for him to negotiate with his hands. No, one, no one's going to, in this market, you know, Brandon Moore was just, just going to offer that up. But in Dalvin Cook is in a situation where he can negotiate with every team because he's been essentially a free agent. He's been a and by all accounts, medical consensus right now, and it might change because I'm sure over the course of the next couple of weeks, things might be a little bit needier coming into training camp. But at the moment, they're estimating he's only been averaging between five and six million. So does this put the power back in the Giants situation again? Because the Giants could say, there's a running back out there that's free for everybody to negotiate. We're all 32 teams, and they're only, he's only been offered six. You're, you've been offered 10. You, you never yeah. made it in terms of the long term scenario. Should he not be recognising, I'm not going to get what I believe is the truth to value no matter who I sign. Well, this is it. He is. He was cut from the Vikings off of $14 million a year. 
He's come out and said, I want to be paid in the region of 10 million, which is roughly where that, that salary cap is. Uh, sorry, where the, uh, the franchise, franchise tag is. But now, yeah, teams are going to be, again, we, we talked about this with DeAndre Hopkins um, a couple of weeks ago. Teams have allocated money to certain positions and not a lot of them will have money left over for those free agents um, of a Dalvin Cook kind of caliber. So we've talked about Miami being in the running. Um, I've seen reports that the Denver Broncos are potentials as well. Both of those would look like good fits for him. Dalvin Cook in a um, Mike McDaniel offense would be really, really exciting to see um, in the same way that Christian McCaffrey thrived uh, with Carl Shanahan. But again, it just comes down to the, the brass tacks of it all. He's going to want um, a contract that pays him quite a lot per year. He's going to want that commitment because as a running back, you, you talked about Tony Pollard with the injury, Saquon Barkley with the injuries. Like running backs are going to get a lot of wear and tear. They're, they don't have a lot of assurances in terms of the money that's out there. So that it's, it's that big balance of taking the money and then having the assurances of a contract that lasts two, three years. I mean, we look at Le'Veon Bell. He tried to make a stand. He tried to say, I'm, I, I just won't play. I will hold out for an entire year just to get the money that I feel like I deserve so that I can get out of a team and then get myself onto the free agent market. And we saw that that wasn't very successful either. So the running back position as a whole is really, um, is feeling very constricted at the moment because you have the, on the one hand, you have the output and the uh, emphasis that teams will put on the running back in the running game. And then you have the market value and they just don't add up. And you're seeing it time and time again now. Where do you stand on Dalvin Cook? Because I know a number of Vikings fans that some are a bit disappointed he's released. Some are kind of recognised that Madison is a really strong running back in his own right and potentially could take on the load. And like, despite a really successful season for the Vikings, there was a lot of games in which Dalvin Cook, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say went missing. That's probably a little bit unfair. The offensive line at times didn't play its best, and it's allowed him to have the holes to really penetrate in, into the into the secondary. But there was a few games where. He just didn't seem up to, up to it. He, you know, we saw a playoff game against the Giants. The Giants defense did a really good job in terms of stopping the run. And he has had inconsistencies over the course of the last three or four years. And I can understand to a certain extent why the Vikings at that price point have said, no, it's not for us anymore. We're going to move on. And people are suggesting today, and I know it's all speculating, you know, would the Giants not be in a better position to, to offer Dalvin the cook the six million and essentially just not walk away from a contract with Saquon? As a Giants fan, I think that'd be absolute madness. I think Saquon is a magnificent running back in his own right. But where do you stand on Dalvin Cook in general? Like, is a five to six million a fair price for the production which he gives to a t- gives to the Vikings and potentially to a new team coming? You know, whoever does pick him up at some stage. I think there has to be that balance. There has to be that balance between the money and how many years a, a team is offering for him. Because to take take somebody like Leonard Fournette, for example, who was released by the Bucks, he's now looking at a one-year prove-it deal or a Kareem Hunt, for example. There are running backs out there that can go in, be a one-year guy, plug and play, and off they go to the free agent market again the next year. Somebody like Dalvin Cook, who can be effective in both the run and pass game, knows how to pass protect, has had success. He's had over, he's had three consecutive seasons over 1,100 yards. So there is the production there. He's going to want not just the money, but he's going to be able to, he's going to want that signing bonus. He's going to want the assurance of two or three years of a contract. Because he knows that, yeah, he's, he's going to be getting 250 to 300 touches over the course of a year. They're going to be wanting to hand him the ball many, many times. And you look at somebody like Derek Henry, who has 
a ridiculous workload. And for some for some reason, no one's quite sure how he does it, stays healthy every single year to justify the money. With running backs, they are very aware that when they get hurt, then there's going to be that risk with them. And one one name that we haven't mentioned was Austin Eckler. Another running back who is absolutely one of the pinnacle parts of the Los Angeles Chargers offense, they moved some incentives around and bonuses and pushed about, I think it was like $1.7 million into his contract in terms of guaranteed money. But again, there's a disgruntled running back who will want to hit the open market next year because he feels like he's being underpaid and underappreciated for the work that he puts in. So it's, I feel like it's a situation that needs to budge at some point. You look at the salary cap every year, it's going up. There's more TV money going in. Amazon coming with more, NBC, CBS. They're always up in the money and the salary cap will go up. That means payers will be pay, paid more. At some point, this the, the bubble needs to burst on the running backs and they need to be paid what they're, um, they're owed and deserved, really. Yeah, when Austin Eckler put in the trade requests, I understood exactly where he was coming from. The reality was in a, in a draft where you had Jameer Gibbs and B. John Robinson, and there's been fairness, there's a lot more other running backs in the second round, third round that I imagine will have really successful careers, and especially maybe having, you know, hit the ground running come September when we have the new season. And I could never see a scenario where Austin Eckler was going to get a trade because I just didn't see teams willing to, to, to give up essentially what the Chargers, like I imagine the Chargers would have been looking for at least a second, you know, and they probably argued they probably would have got a. a best scenario maybe a, maybe a tree and um, so it just it wasn't for me and I know they've kind of restructured the contract but again I think as you said it's more like they're kicking the can down the road and this conversation is just going to come around from now next year and maybe next year it'll, it'll be a scenario where where like we see with the Andre Hopkins and I know we're going to come with that and where you just you just have to release them and force you just take take it maybe they have players that will step into the position this year I know they have drafted a running back as well in one of the middle rounds and maybe he'll do a step up and They'll recognize they have to move on. It's such a precarious position. It's a recyclable position, unfortunately, for running backs, and that's the reality of the situation. But it is still a very interesting piece because running back for a lot of people is really one of their favorite positions. But there's nothing better than seeing a running back in the backfield with an explosive run. It gets everybody off their feet at games and even watching on the television. The last time you were on, we we just heard the news initially. I don't think he'd been released at that stage, but it was similar to Davin Cook. It was inevitable that the word was out that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be released that Friday. And he visited the Titans at the weekend, and at the time of recording, he hasn't signed for anybody. But there is a lot of speculation, um, and it does make sense to a certain extent. I know you touched on the last time; maybe the relationship was scorned with Bill O'Brien, but that's been put to bed. That they think they can work together. If he does sign for for the Pages, and he may have signed by the time this by the time this podcast goes out, it's a huge step for the Patriots in terms of where they are as a team going into the season, because there's so many unknowns in a division where you have the Bills, the Jets, and even the Dolphins, who will be realistically all challenging to go to the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that we've talked that we we've talked. I, I think that a lot of people have talked about the Patriot Way um, over the last few years, and when they when they won their Super Bowls, there was the documentaries that came out about it. And I think that kind of under, underpins what potentially is going on here in terms of Bill Belichick being able to come into the situations and smooth things over and be able to say, right, th- this is a weapon that we can use and we can move forward with. I think the thing that's interesting, you mentioned what was happening, is he's taking visits. I think when you are in a position as a free agent, when you are taking visits, you can tell that the market probably isn't where you want it to be in terms of the money that you want. So obviously he came off of the, the Cardinals making almost $20 million a year. His expectations would have been around the OBJ kind of contract of about 13 to 14 a year. And I think that 
having not been picked up and not having had the interest that he wanted, then he's he's going to a team like Tennessee who don't have the established quarterback or the defense or the things that he was really setting out and and talking about in in the podcast that he did that essentially got him um, fired from the Cardinals um, before the June first deadline. And I think it's really interesting looking at New England and what they can do. They've you look at Mac Jones and what he was able to do in in his um, last year when he didn't have an offensive coordinator. I know that Matt Patricia was there in in the name, but realistically, it, it wasn't a functioning offense. It was something that he had to really work within and and do the best that he could. And I think he's going to really thrive this year with a, a more uh, confident and more assured NFL play caller. And I think that when you start putting some of the pieces together, you look at the running game that they have with Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, that could be a conversation about him getting signed in a couple of years and whether they're going to pay running back money there. Um, but they could be putting some pieces together on that offense. Juju Smith-Schuster signed as well that could make it really, really interesting for New England Patriots to have a little bit of a bounce back because it's been a couple of years now since Brady left where they've been a little bit lackluster. You know they've had the quality coaching, but they just haven't had the quality players uh, to really um, take advantage of that. That's a really good point around the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is visiting the teams in the sense of he probably expected to have a free agency type scenario that we see in March with his agent essentially feeling phone calls from number of teams and he's just sitting at home waiting for the best offer to come in. You know, and you're probably hoping that that scenario would play out in, in June or maybe even going into July. But quite the opposite, as you said, he's visiting teams, which smells of a player that recognizes I need to go in and sell myself to another team. And then the Patriots. And I do agree, I think under Bill O'Brien, I think we might see a, you know, a revitalized offense and I think we might see a revitalized Mac Jones. There was flashes last year but in some games. You know, and even the second half in the game against the Raiders in Vegas, I thought he played really well. I haven't made a comeback. I know I'm going to pinpoint in one game, but that was all lost to it because of what happened at the end with the, the crazy play that ended up with the Raiders running the back and walk-off victory. And that, what got lost in that game was how well, how well he played in the second half. And I think of the Ravens game, when they really should have beaten the Ravens and the Ravens came out on top in Fox Sprint. And that game was going to marry by a couple of late interceptions on, the, on his side. But again, he really played well throughout that game. He moves them up and down the fields. And there was some bright spots. I think if you get the consistency around him, I would be up right there. You could see it, you know, a big, big a fifth minute. What's been kind of a bit of a start. Correa to force you, he was good. You know, took time to get going. They made the playoffs. Blown out by the Bills last year. Really never went their way. You still see DeAndre Hopkins in that, in that stratosphere where he's a real number one target. Like, is he going to go in there and be in his team that's going to feel the ball around for number players? Or do you see a scenario as the season was playing where he, he becomes the vocal point of that offense, which he was in use and he was for a little bit of a period in, in Arizona, but then that didn't kind of, that kind of fizzled out. Wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think that the career of DeAndre Hopkins will change slightly in, in as, as he gets on in his career because when he was with Houston with Arizona, he's very rarely actually open. He just does a great job of being huge, having hands the size of dustbin lids, and being able to use body manipulation really, really effectively. So what that kind of suggests is maybe moving into the slot, being able to work the middle of the field, work against nickelbacks, safeties, linebackers, if they they get misaligned and they actually want to put a linebacker over the top of him. That kind of work could be where he really, really thrives now because as a true number one receiver, Running, uh, running the go routes, the posts outside, maybe that's going to be something that isn't so much of his forte anymore um, as he moves forward. But again, in a New England offense, you think about their slot receivers. 
traditionally it's, it's an Edelman, it's an Amendola, it's a Welker, it's a small guy who can do a lot of different option routes, a lot of different motions and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see whether they adapt that kind of style and system to be able to cater for him. Um, but I think ultimately, you know what you're going to get productivity-wise because he's going to be a massive red zone threat. He's going to be huge on third down for you when you want to be able to move the sticks. Is he going to take an 80-yard um, route and, and take it to the house? Probably not. But in terms of what he's being able to do, he'll be effective. And I think that's why we might have, we might see that the, the salary expectation comes down. Because if he's not an, a number one receiver, he can't justify a 13 to $15 million a year price tag if he did same time with the Patriots before this came out and uh, it was around about maybe the eight to ten kind of range that would suggest that he it's being looked at as more of a slot possession receiver who's going to be doing more work over the middle to help move the chains for the team I'll be interested to see if in a couple of weeks that's what it is and like I say yes I got that one right 